All right, how are you guys doing? This episode is sponsored by 10,000. Now, everything that's going on inside of Ukraine is going really, it's going really slow. Like, I don't know what's going on with the, the, the Russian side of things and why, why they're not moving in a, um, they're not really doing anything outside of one area down in Bakhmut. We would have thought by now, or I did personally, thought they would have done something by now, especially with the, uh, the, the anniversary going and gone. And they kind of made themselves look kind of dumb, which I'll show you guys here at the, later on in the episode. There's two two propaganda type guys. Well, actually, one's a guy and a gal. Individuals, whatever, however you want to call them. Individuals who, <laughs> they couldn't really get on the same page and they made themselves in, in their country look really, really stupid. But I don't really know what they're waiting for. That's why I'm asking. I, I have no idea. What, what do you guys think they're waiting for? I'm, I'm curious myself. Is it, is it a weather thing? Are they not built up enough? I, I don't I don't really know. I, I do know the U.S. and Taiwan are preparing to exchange hundreds of troops uh, here very soon. They have 200 U.S. military personnel, like trainers, are going to be actually going over and advisors are set to arrive here in Taiwan here very soon. And 500, I think is what it was, Taiwanese server members are set to arrive inside the United States over the next couple of months. Now, this is going to piss off China just a tad bit. We know this. This is set to be the, the biggest, like the largest U.S. military presence in Taiwan since... Um, what was it, 1979, I think 1979, when the whole thing began between uh, uh, China and, and U.S., like that long ago. This is the largest like shift. So we have Russia on one side and we have China on the other side. Like I've told you guys many times, they're trying to split us up. I knew intelligence is all suggesting that China is now considering sending artillery and ammunition to Russia. Not shocking. We know that they actually just said they're going to be sending drones. So they're going to get drones. Now they're going to get this possible new chunk of stuff coming through. And earlier this month, Beijing actually hit back strongly against the U.S. allegations. And we do know that it may be providing non-lethal military assistance to Moscow, telling Washington to stay out of its relationship with the Kremlin. <sighs> it's such a weird time right now. You guys cannot tell me this is not a weird time to be living in. It's very strange, right? And what we do know about the, the entire relationship between the two right now is the White House has responded by stating publicly, by the way, the White House said that China will suffer real cost if it supplies lethal aid to Russia. I listened to an interview from a, CIA, a member of the CIA this morning talking about this, and it's a real thing. They're, they're hoping that them actually putting it out there and talking to them behind closed doors. Like they said, they've actually relayed these consequences to the Chinese officials behind closed doors directly. Um, I don't, I'm pretty, I, I'm kind of unclear whether this will actually further the, the relations or they're going to have heftier sanctions thrown on China, which is kind of crazy because now you're talking about the economic aspect of everything. It's just, this is this is a strange time. Like we're teetering on some weird thing. I think I said this in the last episode. Teetering in a very strange spot right now, and thinking on on this this large scale second wave that was coming and is yet to happen. Is it because they aren't prepared as well as they hoped? Are they not nearly as confident? I'm talking about the ones over inside of Russia instead of Ukraine. Okay, is it have other factors to do with it? Are they waiting on maybe the Chinese to make a move with them? Like not not militarily speaking, as in sending men, but maybe equipment. Uh, do they even have the correct equipment? These, like these questions, most of us would ask, but hearing it directly from the Russians themselves in different forms of media is another thing. This might be. I know we, we've seen this a lot. Okay, now seeing this kind of stuff really makes you guys realize how bad off the Russians are as a country and how weak they are monetarily speaking. If they're having money, if they're excuse me, if they're having issues with money, they're having to raise it through their people on the regular for their troops that are sitting in a war that they didn't really want to send them off to in the first place. It's kind of goofy, right? But honestly, hearing like the normal people speak about the war and they have no idea 
that their calls are even being like listened to or recorded and you get to hear the the actual stuff. I mean, you have a gentleman who who is on live TV who has to make it known that he doesn't want to get arrested for saying this. Когда страна, во-первых, не может, на самом деле объективно, давайте скажем так, не может. Now, if I was this guy, I would stay far, far, far away, like as far away as I possibly could from windows over the next month or two, because those things would become very, very dangerous for him. Very dangerous, especially ones above like six stories high. And he has the right thought, I guess, and I'm not entirely sure why the Russians aren't, why they're, they're expecting to win a war that's not clearly a war in their eyes, and yet they're afraid to deem it a war due to like legal reasons. I, it, it's just, it's so goofy. Like, how do you win a war without claiming it's a war? And trying to fight it like a war, but it's just, it's, I don't know. How do you really expect to win? It's so weird. So weird. Okay, so you guys know that, that 10,000 is a sponsor of this, this, this episode. And they told me they do not want to read some script. I, two ver, from them, verbatim, they said, it's just kind of crazy. I never had, a, never had a company say this. Tell us about a fucking cool training story and said that's exactly what they wanted me to say. So I can tell you guys, the shorts are amazing. The liner's great. You won't get monkey butt or chafing or all that kind of shit you guys normally would get instead of, you know, the, the shitty little liners you get in your running shorts. Well, the last week I actually ran the farthest and the fastest I did. I ran for an hour and I made it like eight, I think I almost made it nine miles. I think that's what it was. Almost nine miles. At eight and three quarters of a mile. A three quarter, yeah, almost nine miles. And wearing these things right here. And I did not get shaving, which is great. I remember inside the military, we'd be doing on these long ass rucks and we would either free ball or try to wear some really, really tight shorts or what we call Ranger Band or something like that because we don't want to get chafing. Like really, really bad monkey butt. These things, I wish I had 10,000 back then. My God, I wish I had these back then. Like, you don't want to get that monkey butt. I'm telling you guys right now, it itches like crazy. <laughs> a lot of you guys know what I'm talking about. You, you don't want it to ever happen. And these things right here, no bullshit. 10,000 worked with top strength endurance athletes to co-design and test and develop their gear so you guys don't have to have that happen. They're heavily vetted before they even show up at your door. So you guys can kit up right now and get 15% off your purchase. Go to 10,000.cc and earn a code ROB. That's it. That's all you got to do. 10,000. That is T-E-N-T-H-O-U-S-A-N-D dot C-C. 10,000.cc. Enter code ROB. All you got to do, R-O-B is a code, and get 15% off. There'll be linked at the very top of the description. They offer free shipping, free returns, and lifetime guarantee. Now get your ass out there and get to the highest quality, best fitting, and most comfortable training shorts that you ever worn from 10,000. Check them out. If you guys are in the military, do, do yourself a favor, and maybe you guys can get your unit to actually switch over to these things. Make your life a lot easier. You don't have to worry about getting your sack all chewed up. I know that's a terrible way to put it, but anyway, no BS, no gimmicks. That's pretty much it. Go check them out, guys. They'll be linked in the very top description. Thank you so much to 10,000 for sponsoring this episode, and thank you for keeping my testicles safe because I need to keep them I need to keep them safe. If you don't have testicles, you're still going to love these. I promise you. So I actually found this video that we're going to watch together. Okay. It's of the uh, Russian lines in Kremina. Okay. It's not the front lines. It's like their secondary lines. No. All right. So what you got to see in here? Wow, look at those. Look at this. This is the back half. This is their secondary trench or, or defensive line, just so you are aware. I mean, look at the amount of work this took just to get this thing built up. I will tell you right now, I, t I have personally fought in these Russian trenches inside of Afghanistan. They didn't have wood built up like this inside of that one right there. It's actually really good. It's like a like a little custom pillbox there. But they are pretty good at building these trenches. I know, they're just digging big holes. But this thing, had my, the one I was in, had like a bunch of like little miniature tunnel type systems that kind of fed off of it down hills. Okay, this one's actually concrete. God bless. We haven't seen this kind of stuff since World War II. And we're sitting here looking at it right there. That's crazy. Is that not crazy? 
I was, it was pretty nuts. I, th I thought I would actually share with you guys and you see that. But up there in Kremlin, we know that they've been kind of back and forth and a little bit of a stalemate. And I can tell you right now, that line that we, we know, the defensive Russian defensive line, the leads on the outer edges, the, the western side of that city is fairly stout. And now we know why. And that's, that's not even the, the front line. That is the secondary line behind it. Okay. I know I was, I was wanting to touch on something that we talked about earlier in this episode. It was, it was, it was kind of like the failures of the Russian, the Russians thus far. Okay. And I guess what they may, may seem to be like success, which isn't an option. Now this nut job somehow came to the conclusion that is a good thing that they did not take the country in three days, which I don't, I'm not really sure I'm tracking. I'm, I'm not, I understand this one. Если кто-то вдруг разочаровался в том, что не было такой вот стремительной победы в три дня. Now my question to this guy would it be if, if you guys are still like in that zone of denial of not realizing how fairly weak you guys are, because that's what they were apparently as a political aspect of it. He, they were saying, yes, we're very weak. I'm glad we didn't win this thing in three days, because if we didn't, if we didn't, if we had won it, we would have still not known how weak we were politically. And why isn't he asking himself like, like right now, like. Why are you trying to find that as an excuse or your inability to take a country that you started a year ago? Because it's almost like it's a coping method. You are actually not nearly as strong as you think you are now, and you're way worse off than you were a year ago. But you know what? You want to see the biggest joke thus far ever inside of this war and when it comes to propaganda. You're about to witness one of the most backwards, contradicting things ever. So we have our one guy claiming that it, it, it wasn't a good thing that they didn't take the capital in one day because it would show how weak uh, their government was, okay? Then we have another talking head stating that it's, they, I can't decide for me to talk about it, because they didn't, want, they, they didn't take it because they didn't want to. Not because they couldn't do it, because they didn't want to. They could have taken it just like the Americans took Fallujah. Okay, sure. I, I believe that 100%. So does everybody else that's watching this episode right now. They believe that you guys could have taken Kiev or Kharkiv or Odessa, everything. You guys could have taken all that. Just because, you know what, you didn't. You wanted to pause and you wanted to attempt again just to say it was all for, for the well-being of the Ukrainians. And you didn't want to destroy too many of their cities. When, by the way, we should probably insert a little bit of an overlay footage as I'm sitting there talking of, of what Bakhmut looks right now. I just watched a, a, uh, a drone footage of this thing. Oh my God! It, it looks like remnants of photos of from now shifting over to some maps. So talking bad. about uh, Bakhmut is pretty much it. Everywhere else in the country, no, no, nothing really has happened. The Russians are attempting to push south of this area near Vika, south of Bakhmut. It's not panning out. They're just fighting back and forth. No ground is exchanged hands. But here in the northern part of the city, I'm gonna show you guys. Nothing's changed through here. Okay, we know the Russians took a bunch of ground over there over the past. Two weeks or so, especially this trench line, as you guys can see, I still have it labeled right there. They do control the Ukrainian trenches. Now, they have pushed down south out of the northern side, if that makes any sense. They have actually pushed. You see this, these two chunks right here? These are some of the areas the Russians have taken over the last, I'm going to say, 48 to 30. I said uh, two to three days, what I'm going to say. So, now me saying that, there is, I, I'm very confident they have blown a, a dam. There is one individual who believes for some reason that it's this one right here. I don't believe it's that one. I actually almost 100% sure it's this one right here. Okay. Now, I believe they've done this once again to slow down the, the advancing Russians that are coming from the north, mainly the Wagners that are coming in this way. I know the Wagners right now, they have entered this town right here. So they're on the outer edges of it. And they are collapsing into a little funnel. So I, I believe 
the, the Ukrainians are now starting to possibly exfil out of Bakhmut, or they're attempting to. They're slowing the Russians down. This this area right now, I'm going to say, is kind of like, I'm going to go ahead and do this. This area is probably not going to be an area where they're going to be able to push through because it's going to be too wet, too muggy. Okay. They have been able to push in from the east. They are pushing a little bit more. They're taking a little bit more chunk on this eastern side. Um, just one little block, as you can see. They've been literally going house to house to house. That's legitimately, as you guys can see, look at these roads right here. I'm not even kidding. It's literally house to house to house. That's how chunks it is. It's some more down here in the south as well. But for the most part, they've held it off fairly well. But I will say they have regained control of this route that's leading all the way back up to that uh, eastern westernly. And they have started to attack the, the city of Ivansky. So Ivansky itself is getting attacked right now by the Russians, which is right here. So the Russians are hitting it and pushing in. This is still the main route. I still think the Ukrainians are having to utilize to get out of there. And I think right now, with them blowing that, that dam, the one we spoke about right here, I do believe they are attempting to now exfil all the men out as they possibly can, or at least the heavier equipment out of there so they can exfil and collapse as they do lose this city because it's going to happen. It's going to happen over time. My question is, is why aren't the Russians pushing? Are they waiting to take Bakhmut to have a victory and then pause? reestablish themselves and then push out again? Is that what's going to happen? Because the rest of the country right now is pretty much in a stalemate. And Zelensky did say, uh, I think it was yesterday or this morning, I can't remember. It was last time this morning that he is saying once again that yes, they are going to take Crimea. Crimea is their number one goal. So if you're looking at it from the Ukrainian side of things, the spring offensive is going to be in the southern portion of the country. Are the Russians pausing all their stuff they're doing right now because they need to shift men down there to stop that from happening? Or what do you think they're going to do? That's That's what I've been... Kind of teetering. I have no idea. I know as much as you guys do. You know what I mean? I kind of try to make an assumption. Hopefully it's correct. Well, I hope you guys did enjoy this video. I do love you guys. I'll catch you guys on another episode. I'll see you guys tomorrow.